I'm Chanae Ogumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Flamethrowers, Lindsay Gibbs here holding down the interview this week. I am so incredibly honored to be joined by the great Jenny Gilder, a Title IX trailblazer and champion rower, silver medalist in the 1984 Olympics, a successful businesswoman, an entrepreneur, author of a book that was the Power Plays book club selection course correction, a story of rowing and resilience in the wake of Title IX. But that's not really why she's here today. Today, she's on the podcast to talk about her role as the co-owner of the Seattle Storm team that, if we can remember back to about a month ago, just won the WNBA championship for the second time in three years. Jenny, finally got you on Burn It All Down. Welcome. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to be here. First of all, congratulations on your third ring how was the celebration in the Wubble? Like, how did you all celebrate that moment? Well, the first thing was, you know, we were in the Wubble, which was great, but we were on the outside of the Wubble. We had decided we didn't want to get anywhere near the players to distract them, make them worry, especially after the false positives that the team had endured at the start of the semifinals. We were actually much more freaked out than they were. You listen to Sue's post-game interviews. They were like, we're chill. Well, we were not exactly chill. <laughs> not that we were crazy, but we were just really cognizant that we wanted to make sure that we were very respectful. And then the league said to us, you know, in the event you win, you must retain your masks. You must keep social distance from the players. And this, we're talking about after the game, after the ceremony on ESPN. So we're like, okay, we'll do that. Wow. So, and here it is, you know, just like everyone else, we haven't seen our players since 2019. We haven't seen them. We've talked to them. We've texted. You know, everybody has their relationships. So we were standing on the side, you know, during that amazing confetti storm, which for me, going to be a highlight memory. Just, it was so well done. It was so beautiful. And listening to Jewel, Stewie Sue, it was oh. really quite moving. And also just a little deer in headlights, because when this happens, you know, the game is over. Even though by the end of the third quarter, it was starting to look like this is going to be a hard game to lose. I still am like, it's a game. Sports are played till the last minute. You never know till you know. But still, it's a stunning moment when, the, when you win the championship. It's just a little like, wow, this really happened. So we were standing there afterwards, and the first thing that happens is Stewie comes running over, and she <laughs> says, the wobble is broken. And we're like, okay, our MVP just, and she's hugging all of us. And then the rest of the players are coming over and hugging all of us. And we're like, okay, we're, we're taking our players' lead. That's what we've done the entire season. It's what we do as a franchise anyway in so many you know, different domains. We're hugging our players. And that was how it started. Um, and it was just such a joyous moment to be there with them. And 
you know, obviously we're the owners, we have a certain kind of relationship, but we are also in that moment, a very unique moment, a stand-in for all the fans across the country, but especially in Seattle, who really wanted to be there and deserve to be there to celebrate really an incredible run and an, an amazing team. So it was um, joyous. And for me, it was also a little bittersweet because we didn't get to share it um, with all the people in person who we so wanted to be there and who wanted to be there. I just love that image of Stewie being the one, like all these rules set and she's like, nope, <laughs> we're going for it. And who's going to stop Brianna Stewart in that moment? Like after all she's been through to get there. Um, that's incredible. So you'd think that you all would maybe take a vacation, relax a little bit, but last week your team took a step that we've rarely seen from a pro sports team and you officially endorsed Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Um, how long have you all been considering this? What were those conversations like? And why ultimately did you decide to um, make this step and, and do the official endorsement from the team account, not from your individual accounts? So I, I don't know that this specific conversation has been in the mix for months and months. What's been, I mean, you've seen us. We are a certain kind of franchise, a certain kind of ownership group. I think we've been building towards this moment, frankly. Um, we've owned the team. I think this was our 13th season. You know, we're no longer new kids on the block. And there have been many moments uh, in our tenure as owners where we have taken a stand, maybe publicly, maybe privately, you know, when uh, the whole Isaiah Thomas matter came up several years ago with the possibility of Jim Dolan making him an owner of the Liberty. We were in that conversation. Did we do anything publicly? I don't know. I frankly don't remember. I don't think there was a lot to do publicly, but, and then Trump was elected and there's, I think among many, many people around the country, there was a feeling of powerlessness of, wow, so many of the values that I hold dear as an American are being threatened and what can I do about it? And that was when I think the three of us started thinking about how do we use this amazing platform of the Seattle storm to promote the values that we as an organization have, certainly we individually have, and get out our point of view because if we can make a difference at all, we want to. Mind you, you know, the players already had started before that with Black Lives Matter, and we had already made the decision that we were backing them, backing them even if the league wasn't gonna back them. And we made that clear to the league. So this is just another step in the, you know, kind of the progression of, of who we are. And you remember, of course, Planned Parenthood. That was the first time yeah. when we decided we're using the platform in a certain way. So what happened, we won the championship <laughs> actually less than three weeks ago, right? The first week was celebrating, and this is gonna sound ridiculous, but it is actually exhausting to win a championship and I do not know how the players do it. You know, I don't know how they win and then fly off to Russia because we just flew home and maybe it's just cause I'm 30, 40 years older than some of them, but it takes some time to recover. It is this constant flood of adrenaline that has no outlet, right, other than cheering and interviewing and talking. 
So it was really after that, and we had been talking already about what's the last push that we do for the election. Because again, building on the players, what the players have been talking about, supporting the players, so much of it, you know, this whole season was dedicated to social justice. Yes, there was the Say Her Name campaign, but underneath that and through that was vote. Mm -hmm. So we started talking about how can we use the platform to inspire and invite our fan base to do whatever they can. And this is no longer about giving money, but it was actually about volunteering. So, you know, how do we, how do we support Get Out the Vote? And I and about... 11 friends and family, we are actually traveling to Michigan next week to serve as poll watchers, right as COVID is peaking. It's like, oh my gosh. But the night that Trump was elected, my then 24-year-old daughter said to me, mom, we are going to do whatever we can next time. And my sister, who lives in New York, said the same thing. So she's driving with her 18-year-old from New York, and we're flying uh, to Detroit. And it was that sense of how do we outreach to our fans and encourage them to join us on the ground, not flying and serving as poll watchers. I realize that's a little extreme for many people. And it went from there to another conversation of, are we gonna take the final step? Um, so it's a progression that's not one moment, not months and months in, the, you know, in this direct conversation about, are we gonna endorse? And the way Lisa, Don, and I work is, we talk, we text, we email, and it's all or none. We don't say, well, two of us agree, so we're gonna do it. It is a, it has to be unanimous. And it's not even that it's a stated rule. I think it's just the way we flow and it's the way our partnership works and it's an issue of respect. Uh, and also that um, each one of us wants the same thing for the storm. And if any one of us disagrees, then that means there's something we can't ignore. So that was how it worked. And then there's Alicia who's saying, you can do this, you can do that. What do you think? Just in case people don't know, she's the general manager and CEO of the store. Right, of Force 10 Hoops. And she yeah. keeps her uh, fingers on the pulse of social media and the impact that she thinks the storm can make actually much more carefully and astutely than the owners. So she said, you know, if you do this, this, um, this might make a splash. And I was like, ah, no, it's not gonna make a splash. And we are not thinking about whether it makes a splash. We're thinking about, is this gonna forward what we're committed to as an organization? What has the response been um, from all around? Players, the city and fans and, you know, even others in the WNBA ecosystem. Have you heard from anyone? We haven't heard from anyone in the WNBA, which is not surprising um, and don't expect to. Have heard from city officials, uh, have heard from many, many fans. I haven't heard directly from players, have heard from employees. Overall, look, if you know the storm, this is not a surprise. Right. <laughs> this is not really a stretch. Um, so I would say by and large, people were positive. In this day and age, you're never gonna get 100% support. There are certainly people who are Trump supporters, who are WNBA fans if they're not Storm fans. I think there are even Trump supporters who are Storm fans. And of course, um, that's challenging, right? Um, and there are also still many people who believe that sports and politics should have a very bright line between them. 
uh, people who have not had the kind of life experience, frankly, that I've had starting at age 17, when I started trying to become an elite level athlete, experiences that every WNBA player has had since the league started, uh, whether they were black or gay, they were female. So, you know, I hear that that is something that people wish. It's just not a reflection of how the world is. No, it's not, it's not all real. So that's how the response has been. And I've also heard from people who said, you just got a whole lot of new fans because I just shared this with everybody in my community and they are amazed. And a lot of people who say, oh, this was so courageous. It doesn't occur to us as it's courageous. It occurs to us as this is who we are and this is what the moment calls for. So for those of you who don't know, um, Jenny co-owns The Storm with Lisa Rummel and Don Trudeau, and they make um, Force 10 Hoops, which are one of just two of the all-female ownerships in the WNBA, and the only one we officially recognize here at Burn It All Down. Um, over the last couple of weeks, though, um, there's been a lot of attention on you know what's been happening with a dream, and then there's a new... Um, National Women's Soccer League team in Los Angeles. It's gotten a lot of attention for its star-studded uh, female ownership group. But I've been kind of surprised at how many fans are not familiar with the story of the Storm ownership group. So I want to take back in time a little bit, um, uh, fill people in. So the Storm first came to Seattle in the year 2000, I believe. Were you one of the first? Were you immediately a fan? No. Oh. I'm the I'm the Jill come lately. I was a huge <laughs> baseball fan historically. My dad had brought me up on the Yankees, then we switched to the Mariners, and I had raised my kids on the Mariners. Uh, by 2004, I was really fed up with Major League Baseball and steroids. Their response was horrible, and I was looking for a new team to support. And that was when the Storm won their first championship. So we went to the final and fell in love. And that was when we became Storm fans and season ticket holders. Amazing. At that point, did you ever envision you'd be the owner of the team just like three, four years later? <laughs> oh, that is so crazy now. I will tell you, though, that Don Trudeau, one of my co-owners, was one of the leaders in bringing the Seattle Reign, the ABL team, to Seattle oh. before the storm. So she and Lisa were very involved from the beginning of women's pro basketball in Seattle. So... It's about 2006, 2007, the Storm are owned by the group that owned the uh, Supersonics, sold to a guy who's, you know, keeps saying, threatening to take the team to Oklahoma City. At what point do you all kind of join forces, no pun intended, and, uh, and start talking about, could we do this? <laughs> so it was the summer of 2007 when Clay Bennett had said he was gonna move the two teams, the Sonics and the Storm, if public funding to upgrade Key Arena was not forthcoming. And the state legislature slammed the door on that after the city had already said, and the county had said no. And it was in early June that I started talking to Don. And so Don and I had served on the board together of uh, an independent all-girls school. And that was how I had met her. And I knew she was a big Storm fan. And she had courtside seats. And I had seats like row 14, great seats in the key, still have them, although it won't be the key anymore. Um, and I couldn't get to Dawn because she was at courtside and courtside special. So I texted her and she came out to the hall 
behind where our seats are. And we started talking. I said, Dawn, are you, are you going to try and do anything to keep the storm here? And she, she said, and I don't even know why I thought that. And she said, I don't know. Um, I'm thinking about it. And I said, well, if you need any help, let me know. Because I had gone into the investment business and I finally was earning some money. And she called me like 10 days later. And that was the beginning. And she and I and Lisa Brummel, who was then the senior, you know, she's a high up VP at Microsoft. She ran HR. So we went to her office out in Redmond and the three of us had this lunch where we, you know, literally whiteboarded why we would do this. What were our reasons? Because in my world, if you're not aligned from the beginning, from a values and vision perspective, you're just going to have a really hard time getting anything done. And we were actually quite aligned. So we're like, okay. And we hired Ann Levinson, who ended up being a minority owner for a couple of years, uh, to help get the deal done with Clay Bennett. And so she had our proxy. And she said to us, um, you know, this is a long shot. And we're like, yeah, it's a long shot. It's not going to, you know, but why not? Like, no guts, no glory. And in December, I think, like, right around Christmas, she called us. Maybe it was October. She, you know, was making rumblings of, okay, we're making a little progress. But it was really, I think, the end of December, middle of December, she's like, uh, this is happening. We're like, what? <laughs> and that's how it happened. That's so incredible. Let's go back to that whiteboard. What was on that whiteboard? was really, why would you want to do this? Um, and there were uh, two or three reasons. The first that I really remember from Brum was the Seattle Storm fans deserve to have a team. We have an incredible fan base, and we can't do anything to stop the Sonics fans from getting hurt, but we can do something to save this fan base from getting hurt, and this fan base deserves to keep its team. You know, so Brum kind of put a stake in the ground on this is a fan-oriented team. We are part of the fabric of the city, and our city deserves this. You know, and that's part of who we are is this is about our fans. Another, which was really kind of, I think Don and I talked a lot about this, and I, this is a, a phrase I use a lot. The easiest way to say it is the storm and now the WNBA, lives at the intersection of business, sport, and social change. And I love living at that corner. And as I've gotten older, but even really from the beginning of, with my own experiences as an athlete, I am really committed to generating access to opportunity through sport. And so the chance, you know, I was a rower. Well, there's no professional rowing. I can't invest in the sport of rowing and, you know, uh, generate more equitable access to opportunity like you can with a professional women's franchise. So the idea that we could showcase the best women in their sport and promote their opportunity to do the sport they love for a living the way men do, that was like right in my wheelhouse. Uh, but then the other one was we are not gonna run this as a charity. We are gonna run this as a business to make money, not because we need the money, but if you want the WNBA to succeed, you have got to be able to sell your franchise at the end of the day. And that means it needs to be a viable business enterprise.
Okay, so even though sports had a break, your business didn't. Well, it's true. Our podcast did not have a break, right? Even when sports were off. Right, Jess? Yeah, we just kept going. (laughs) Kept going with the newsletter, (laughs) kept going with the podcast. We had to keep moving, and that made hiring more important than ever. And thank goodness Indeed is indeed here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. This would have been super helpful as we've been um, kind of hiring producers to burn it all down. I've been getting some help with the Power Plays newsletter and really realizing how stressful hiring can be. (laughs) Like, I don't know that I fully understood before, especially in these times when you can't meet people face-to-face, really. Everything needs to be done digitally. So the great thing about Indeed is that you only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts, which I love. Right now, Indeed is offering Burn It All Down listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post which means more quality candidates will see it fast. That is amazing. So you want to try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is Indeed. (laughs) Their best offer available anywhere. (laughs) Bren, what's that address? What is it? What is it? Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Now you repeat it. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Very good. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st, 2020. I'm sorry I didn't have it up. I told you to stay with me. I told you to stay with me. I know. I was trying. I was trying. I know. I was like, that was one of those where I was like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't get called on. (laughs) Um, Okay. Uh, Let's see. Mine is. Oh, fuck. I knew that I would be the worst at this, right? All right, don't laugh. That's the worst way to prep me. Now I'm going to try not to laugh. Tell me not to laugh. That makes me want to laugh just because you said that. Okay. Okay. As an historian, I'm really bad at predicting the future. So I rarely bet, to be honest. I'm better at, you know, thinking about things that have already happened. Do either of you bet? I do not. I am a coward and I am really worried about losing. So I, I I don't do it. I've done the slots and stuff and played a little bit of cards like in Vegas and it did not go well. It did not go well. But no, I do not bet on sports because I have enough emotions already. Yeah, in Vegas, I just tried to like look like I was playing the slots enough to get the free drinks. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But now I don't have to go to Vegas because there's bet online. Uh, whether it's games, spreads, and totals to team players and coaching props, bet online gives you a lot of options to wager more than anywhere else. And you can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures anytime that you want. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Also, don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. And maybe if you can figure it out, you can let me know what it really means to have an over-under. So... 
for our listeners, I met Jenny back in 2017 when the storm were holding uh, Planned Parenthood night. Um, it was a nationally televised game, and the entire night was a fundraiser for Planned Parenthood. There are Planned Parenthood signs on every single seat. There was a rally out in front of the stadium that day for Planned Parenthood. And one of the things I'll remember always was how unapologetic that rally was and how bold it was about the entire mission statement of Planned Parenthood. Um, and you talked to me that time about the storm way is I think how you put it, the storm way. What is the storm way and why did that eventually lead you to, you know, that Planned Parenthood rally? Okay. I think if you spoke to each one of us, we'd probably say it differently. So recognize that, especially in this moment, I'm probably speaking more from my perspective than Lisa and Dawn's perspective also. Um, all together, you would get a fuller picture than just talking to me, so just know that. For me, uh, the storm way is you start with relationship and connection. So you treat the people that you interact with. Doesn't mean you agree, <laughs> but you're gonna create a space where people can show up as who they really are. The other thing is that we are, we are vision driven. We know who we are and what we're about. So when we're making big strategic decisions, and frankly, this has to do with who our coaches are, who our players are, of course, who our employees are, who our partners are, are we in alignment in terms of what our values are and the dream that we have, if you will, for humanity. I mean, that sounds so hokey at a certain level. Again, Lisa and Dawn would not talk this way, but that's how I talk about it. So the storm way is it's a business and it's about something that is so core to humanity. It's about sports and sports. Remember, I went to Greece a few years ago. Every ruin there is has a sports arena. You know, sports is not something new. It's part of what human beings do. It calls us to greatness and it creates community. So the storm way is building on that, continuing, you know, that human historical tradition, if you will, um, but rooted in a value set that's geared to inspire people to become their best selves, along with the team being its best self on the court. Yeah, But these that. are my words. <laughs> Not completely different, but you would definitely get a different hit of it from Lisa and Dawn. This year, um, gosh, I can't believe this was actually this year. It feels like it was a different lifetime ago. But uh, the WNBA unveiled this historic new collective bargaining agreement. And we've heard a lot about it from the players and from uh, Kathy Engelbert, the commissioner. But I want to know as an owner um, what you thought of that, the new CBA and the process. And, you know, what does it mean? It's been talked about as this monumental maybe blueprint for women's sports going forward? And is, is that how you view it as, as an owner? This CBA would not have happened without the owners. And what I, again, think of the WNBA, I think of the owners and the players together forging new ground. You know, there are, again, reasonable people disagree. Uh, 
it makes sense that the players will want more than owners might feel they can provide in any given negotiation, right? That's the player's job. And frankly, it's especially the job of feminists and young people because they should not be satisfied with a level of <laughs> equity in pro sports today. And then obviously as business owners, you know, we're trying to weigh the present versus the future and how do we make it all work? But fundamentally, I believe that we as a league have an opportunity to forge a relationship with our players where it's not always a given that it's us against them. And what our commissioner did, I mean, the commissioner, remember, she, she's hired by the owners. Um, she represents who we are as owners. And she put the players front and center. Why? Because that's what the owners believe. And I think what's hard is no one in the WNBA is satisfied with the compensation that players have received historically. And we keep comparing ourselves to the men. Now, I understand it from a dollars and cents perspective, but it's not the model I want to follow in terms of this idea that sports is about players and owners because the third leg is the community. The amount of subsidy that taxpayers have invested in sports arenas, and when it comes time for those sports arenas to make it possible for women's teams to play in those arenas, suddenly they're privately owned arenas. Yep. So the negotiations with the players, you know, it was how do we forge together the future for the W? How do we go big? on the WNBA without breaking it. And really what it was, was it was a decision to invest. Let's invest, let's take some risk. And that's what the owners did, is the owners stepped out and said, we're gonna take some financial risk. We're gonna do the number one thing that my dad always taught me, which is bet on yourself. We're gonna bet on our business and the dream of this league. And that's what the owners did. And yeah, the, the players were tugging at us and they were ahead of us in some ways, no question. And that's the job of the players, especially because they're young and they have more energy than we do. And they are more irreverent than we, we are. And that's, I was young once, I was 17 once, stripping my clothes off, not caring if the university got mad, right? That's the job of youth. And I do not mean that in any disrespectful way because without the player's commitment, and frankly, their intolerance for all the intolerance about women in pro sports, we would not have made the progress that we've made in the last few years. You know, notice how players are no longer apologizing or trying to uh, defend the get back in the kitchen comments. They are saying, what? <laughs> They're like, what is your problem? And that is like, so fabulous. If anybody is confused about Jenny's comments about stripping, um, I will put the link to the historic Title IX protest that she was a part of um, during her college days. I wrote about it for Power Plays and it's a big part of her book. So uh, um, I'll put it there because she's being, uh, that's literal what she's saying. <laughs> you might think she's being metaphorical, but she's being very literal there. Um, I just get chills hearing you talk about, about all of this stuff. So 
after game three of the WNBA finals, as you know, the players and coaches are celebrating, um, I guess before Stewie officially broke the, the wobble, the ESPN camera panned over to you, Don and Lisa. I believe it was, um, Alicia was there. I think your wife and Lisa's wife, um, standing there watching the celebrations. And to me, it was just, you know, we're so used to seeing these images of the owner standing there in their suit and their tie. Um, and so to see a group of women and queer women standing there as the owners of this team, it was just so powerful. But how do we get more of that? Um, and how do we expand that so there's more women of color, more queer women, more women from marginalized communities into ownership positions in sports? Well, remember uh, the NBA uh, trophy was hoisted by another woman. Yes, yes. That was exciting. I think it's, first of all, because there are now women in that position, it's easier for others to see it and go, oh, I can do that. I want to do that. And I, I think you see what's happening down in L.A. with the uh, newest pro soccer franchise. I think women are starting to see it's possible and starting to realize that they have something to contribute here. They have something to add. You know, the fact of the matter is it still costs some money, right, to own a yeah. franchise. And I can tell you that the value of WNBA franchises are increasing. But um, you also have to want to do it. And, and I think more and more girls and women are acknowledging what they want and developing themselves to be able to successfully pursue what they want. Um, and I think uh, leagues have to start thinking about a more diverse ownership, right? What are the criteria for owning a team? And we certainly talk about that a little in the W right now. Yeah. And um, hopefully, you know, I know everyone's um, hoping for expansion um, in the W at some point that, you know, it's at that point. It's exciting to hear you talk about the cost of franchises going up because that's that's good. And, you know, what I'm seeing from my perch is just kind of watching everything is it feels like more women in business, more women in media, not just sports media, but media at large are seeing how sports have been used as a method of power and a method of excluding women from power and looking for ways to change that narrative. And I think that's what some of what you're seeing from um, in this LA ownership group. And it's something that the three of you in the storm saw, you know, were able to see 13, 14 years ago that you could change this narrative, that you could come together and put your resources together. But, you know, I think it starts with what you really want. It can't be something artificial like, I should do this, like I have a responsibility to do this. And it's the same thing even with the Biden-Harris uh, endorsement. It's, it's not about, um, oh, is this going to make a splash? It's about, is this authentic to who we are as an organization and who we are as individuals? So I think people have to be willing to look at themselves and decide whether they're going to embrace the challenge. Because there are still many more barriers for women than men. I mean, you see this with on the presidential ticket, right? The different dialogues that are addressed towards uh, Kamala Harris 
versus even a Joe Biden when he was running for Veep. And it's certainly, there is an undercurrent of it in a lot of businesses. Um, so you just have to be ready for what you're taking on and you have to be doing it because it's consistent with what you say you want for your life and who you are. Final question, what, what's next for the storm? You know, we've seen you all seems to keep setting the bar, whether that's your intention or not. Um, that's what we're seeing. So what can we expect next from the storm? Well, we're going to go for another championship for sure. <laughs> yes. You know, try and tape Sue's knees up for another year if we can. <laughs> but seriously, you know, we're building a business. That's what we're up for. We're building a business and we're building the WNBA and we got a lot going. Uh, a lot of positive traction this last year. Uh, we have players who are deeply committed to promoting what's best about America um, and also to playing awesome basketball. So that's the adventure. The next steps of the adventure is how do we build the W and build the storm uh, to represent the best, you know, certainly of the country, but in Seattle, we care about Seattle. How do we represent yeah. our community and give our fans what they want, which is a chance to root for a team that they can be proud of on and off the court, and that also, as corny as it sounds, calls them to their own greatness in their own lives, right? You see somebody outperform, doesn't it kind of touch you at a certain root somewhere in yourself? Like, oh my gosh, she can do that. Well, there's this thing I want to do. Whether it's you know, on a field of play in sports or something else in life that matters tremendously to you and probably matters to other people also. So that's what, you know, it's business as usual for us. <laughs> Which is not business as usual for everyone, but certainly I wish it was. Well, listen, thank you so, so much for being here um, on Burn It All Down. It's always a blast to talk with you. Thank you so much, Jenny. And we'll look forward to, gosh, I hope sometime during the 2021 season I can see you in person. That would be great. <laughs> Life will be back to normal. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate this chance to talk about the W and the storm always.